And if you find yourself being silenced inside of a burning fire and you are not a vampire, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff. It's time for Blindside, gentlemen. Well, he is a vampire, though. He's afraid the light's going to set him on fire. Right, but he is a vampire. I just thought that he was see-through because, you know, that Scandinavian skin and all. Is that why he's, like, dreadfully aware of the location of fires? I think so. Okay. That makes so much sense. That just, like, crushed my mind, dude. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're so cheesy. (laughs) This week, we are talking about Swedish Imports' Blindside. You may love them. You may hate them. We kind of like them. At times, yes, we do. We do. Very much so. I've always been a fan of the band. I like the hardcore punk I like the hard rock that happened there in the middle, and then the early 2000s thing. I won't say it. Don't make me. I started to fall asleep as the discography went on. You know, I read I read somewhere online that's the uh, onset of diabetes, Jeff. <laughs> Just falling asleep midday. Shit. Well, apparently, not only do I have hypertension, hypertension, I have diabetes as well, and just didn't know it. He's got hypertension. I might have diabetes. We are old as fuck on this geography discussion, except Joe, who pretty much looks exactly the same as he did 25 years ago, and has no signs of. A <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get beeped. Don't worry. So, Blindside, <laughs> literally one of the best bands to come out of that Christian hardcore scene in the late 90s early 2000s they really were everybody knew who blindside was that was into like hardcore christian music they were they were interesting much like extol that came over from norway they were kind of like exotic a little bit to american audiences kids in the suburbs like holy shit i listened to this band from sweden they're called blindside the dude screams the whole time even though that's not technically true you know, it's uh, at the time it was very energetic. It was in your face. It was tons of fun. Well, before we start talking about tons of fun, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Tune in radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Oh, my goodness. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. Do you know why we love them? Why? Because highly reviewed podcasts typically tend to come up in search results. You see, the internet is running on recommendations. Literally everything is a recommendation off of something else. If you pull up your favorite podcast, it'll give you a list of podcasts that are similar or associated in some way with the podcast you're currently listening to. We want to be recommended to whatever you're listening to or whatever your friends are listening to. That's why we ask for reviews. So if you think that we're an awesome podcast, leave us a five-star review. If you don't think we're an awesome podcast, leave us whatever starred review you feel that we deserve. Is there a negative four stars? There's not a negative anything. A negative four stars? Yeah, there should be. There should be. What about death stars? What would you like to give a negative four star review to, Jeff? Uh, Vinnie Vincent. Oh, Vinnie Vincent. 
<laughs> do we have to talk about this? We have to talk about this. Oh, yeah, we got it. Okay, let's talk about this. What do I need to play while we're talking about it? You can play whatever you want. Just don't play Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Please. Vinnie Vincent has kind of a history of flaking out on people. Kinda? <laughs> okay, by kind of, I mean he completely flakes out on people. Yeah, it's prolific. It's kind of his thing. Yes. Right? So, Vinnie Vincent is putting on a concert. I mean, maybe. It's going to be an acoustic concert. I mean, the dude is known as an electric guitar shredder, but you know what? Fuck me. Let's just do an acoustic show. Where's the acoustic show, Jeff? Memphis. But I just, think. Just somewhere in Memphis, right? Because no venue was specified? Correct. Wow. Okay. What? what? Tickets were supposed to go on sale July 27th. Yeah, but now they're going to go on sale, well, soon. To be honest with you, I'm surprised he didn't already just, like, start taking sales. Yeah, just give me your fucking like, money and then I'm going to cancel. Sorry, you didn't read the fine print. Yeah, I don't sorry. have to give it back. There's a convenience fee. I'm not sure whose convenience it's for, but uh, you got to pay it. Also, there's no concert. Also, it's your fault. Yeah, th- it'll be the... Con- you know what? It'll be the concert that can go with the box set oh man i can't wait i'm still waiting on my box set (laughs) yeah well you didn't get your money back i'm just kidding i couldn't give less of a shit about anything vinnie vincent does the only box set i'm looking forward to right now is the blu-ray release of the batman animated series now that is a good box set but anyway yeah this whole vinnie vincent thing man has been a total trip and like i couldn't give given less of a shit about the guy before but like just watching all this stuff in action like Seeing basically what people have been telling us about him for years. <laughs> just seeing it play out in real life. You can't make this stuff up. Get a bag of popcorn and just watch. Right. Yeah, just watch it burn, man. Well, you know, the fucked up thing is is that there's still the few handful of zealots out there that are completely obsessed with him that will defend anything and everything that the that Vinny does. And it... They're the funny part. I I actually think that Vinny needs professional help. I think there's some sort of mental health anxiety thing or he's just delusional that he genuinely needs help with. Um, yeah. But outside of that, I mean, it's it's just a it's a train wreck. It's a shit show and it's very hard to look away. You know, the only reason why we've become aware of Vinnie Vincent was is that he initially he's he was going to be at the Rock and Pot Expo too where we're gonna be. On and August twenty fifth. On August twenty fifth at the know, Nashville Palace. That is correct. And that's the reason why, you know, we were aware of him and then he, he pulled a bunch of shady shit and <laughs> I've just been watching all this other stuff go go down since then and this is just the latest thing in a litany of craziness that's come out of his camp absolutely so like i said you know the more i watch it the more you know of his own of Vinny's own words that we see i really believe that there's a problem that he needs help with and i think that there's people that are taking advantage of Vinny that are just milking him for everything he's worth like elder abuse Kinda. It's yeah. something like that. I, I just, I think that somebody needs to be able to step in and take, you know, since we're talking about vampires, take the vampires away from, from Vinny. Because I, I think Vinny could just go peacefully into the night, which is pr- probably where Vinny wants to be. Something interesting that happened this week that I was not expecting. See, I'm a huge fan of the band Tourniquet. 
and we were talking about Iced Earth recently. And so I was very surprised to see on Twitter that Tim the Ripper Owens is going to be singing on the new Tourniquet album. Very unexpected. I thought I read that he's going to be doing more than just this album, isn't he? It just says that he's going to be doing the vocals for the entire rest of their upcoming album called Gazing at Medusa. Okay. It it might have been the wording in the article I read then, so... You know what? I think it might just be that they're going to see how it goes. Okay. And I can't imagine it going south with the Ripper. No. I mean, it just can't, right? I don't know. The only thing I can see going south is the fact that he's been in so many bands. <laughs> you know. Wait, which one were you guys again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna do the glorious burden. Let's go from the top. Oh wait. Oh wait. Okay. Uh, Ted Kirkpatrick from the band Tourniquet liked our retweet, which was great. As we typically tend to retweet, take my money. <laughs> I have no shame in being a meme at that point. But hey, Ted, if you're listening, come on the show, man. We'll talk. We're down to do the interview. We are down to do the interview. But today, we're going to get down with blindsides. Oh, with blindside. Oh, yes. Did I blindside you with my drawers comment? You blindsided me, man. In 2017, Decibel Geek brought us Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee. This summer, they're doing it again. Rock and Pod Expo 2 on August 25th. Tell us about it, Dan. We couldn't be more thrilled to be appearing at Rock and Pod this year. In an effort to help support this amazing event, we are throwing in some perks for you guys to help raise the funds necessary to make this event happen. A $35 donation on behalf of Discography Discussion to the Rock and Pod Expo gets you a limited edition Discography Discussion hand-painted beer glass and the option to choose what band we talk about in an upcoming episode of the podcast. This also includes your admission to the Expo, access to an exclusive podcast made only for contributors to the event and we can't wait to meet some of you guys there in person we'll be hanging out chatting all day keep in mind on these perks there are only three of them available so act fast and we hope to see you there let's go back to 1997 for tonight's subject we're going to sweden guys so book your flights early tell me about blindside then blindside was a swedish christian hardcore punk band they released their debut album Blindside, very creative name, guys, on Dayglow Records in 1997. They also got picked up in the U.S. by Tooth & Nail Records, which was pretty advantageous for their career. The Blindside self-titled album is a weird record. There's really no other way to say it. Is it punk? Is it hardcore? Is it new metal? I don't know. Neither do they. It's all over the place, and it's very indicative of, like, We've been jamming these songs in the basement for like 14 years, and now we're recording it. And so I think it's tight. I think musically it's it's on point, but it's a little strange in places, especially the vocal delivery, which is very harsh screaming. And I can't tell, like, is it supposed to be rapping or is it supposed to just be like really fast screaming? It's kind of both, right? Well, with that part of it, it totally like... Was a, for me, it was a new metal vibe with that kind of harsh, rhymy delivery that he has. I mean, I could listen to, to do whatever, pretty much whatever the hell he wanted because I love his voice. So yeah. I, I really could, I could care less. But yeah, it, it, I agree. The delivery is a really bizarre. Well, and part of it is the guitar tone, too. That's where I get the hardcore punk vibe from it. It's a very dry, rough guitar tone, which is fine if you're making a heavy record. 
There's nothing wrong with it, but it is a little different than a lot of the other stuff that was out in 1997. I'm going to go ahead and lean more on the hardcore side on this one, even though there are weird kind of new metal rappy parts, but like with none of the accompanying R&B influenced music that you would think would come with rapping, you know? Right. Because, like, on Nerve, he's all like, force me to open my mouth again because you know I don't want to. And you're like, oh, what the hell is going on with this record? Chaotic uh, to, to a certain extent. It's it's definitely an amalgamation of a bunch of stuff. I didn't hear this album first. I heard Silence. And I made my way backwards through A Thought Crushed My Mind. Thank you, Dan. And then Blindside was probably the last album I ever heard within reason because you know the newest album wasn't out yet and i was surprised how much like me without you black flag you know henry rollins and even iggy pop and the stooges i got out of it i don't know where they got this from i tried to put a finger on it this week looking back on the original definition of emo where there was a lot of talking and then just expelling of what you were thinking but that's not really what they're doing I would almost put this album in the same pool as Dillinger with their first couple albums. I would go that far. I think this sounds like the Refused. I think there's a huge Refused influence here. Yeah. Not so much with like the electronics and stuff that the, the, the Refused used, but like I think every band in Sweden, especially at that time that was starting out, you know, was at least aware of the Refused. And probably looking up to. Correct. There's another band from Sweden that also came out on Tooth and Nail Records around the same time called Self Minded. And their first album is pretty similar to this as well. So I don't know if this was just like representative of what the hardcore scene was back then. I think I'm probably onto something with that. The, there was probably tons of other bands that sounded like this that we just never heard. Well, this was the mid-90s when it was okay to scream in a band and not really be that good at screaming. You know, before screaming had a definition of what was good screaming. Right, it was like pre-metalcore, you know, like pre-established. Leftover from thrash. A little bit, yeah. So there's, you know, I actually really like the screaming on this. It's the clean vocals that I think are kind of weird. Because Christian obviously has a good voice in there. And you can hear traces of that good voice on this record. But like his melodies are a little off, like the song Superman... He just doesn't His have melodies direction. are very off-putting. Somebody's got to tell him or work with him. It's a bunch of dudes that recorded an album together, and they're the ones that are in charge, and they're responsible because they're not exactly sure what to do. They they need they needed a big brother, you know, to hold their hand, walk them through it, and show them the ropes. I think they had to learn it the hard way, and I think that's what we see on this first album is them learning it as they're going along right well that song superman is so directionless when it starts it's my least favorite song on the record even though it was kind of a big hit for them i guess if bands like this had hits and it was kind of like it starts off kind of boring he's just kind of like meandering along singing talking kind of then he goes into this like rhythmic delivery that's kind of like rapping but i just can't really call it rapping with good conscience you can call it Rage Against the Machine. Right. And then, you know, that's a good comparison, Joe. Um, but on the chorus, he's playing Superman. Like, it's like it's almost like he's making it up while he's singing it. And the melodies just don't hit. Like, I know this vocalist is so much better than what we have on this. 
And, uh, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. Some of the weirder songs, uh, like Teddy Bear, like what the hell <laughs> is going on with that song? Like it starts off all kind of creepy and melodic and it's almost like very, it's very different than the vibe of the rest of the record. But then they just go into the same stuff that they've been doing later on. He's like, I'm here. What happens now? You're here. And he's just like singing it. And then just, I'm no teddy bear. I'm no teddy bear. <laughs> You're like, what is, what is with this record? <laughs> like, it's so, it's just weird. Uh, it's abrasive. But because I've been listening to it since 1997, I feel like it's kind of an all-time classic for me because there are songs on this record that really do hit. Like the first song, Invert, is awesome. It, it really sets you up for an experience that you're not going to get necessarily for the rest of the record. I think um, Invert's really good. Nerve's really good. Uh, Daughter is really good. And that's about it. Everything else is just kind of weird, watered-down versions of those songs. Is this leftover grunge? No. It's 1997. We're making our way away from grunge or not really grunge. I don't care what anybody says. Allison Chains is not grunge. And we're making our way into the precursors of new metal. It's starting to be a thing. But on the other side of the planet, Blindside over here in Sweden, I don't know what they're competing with. So I don't know where this comes from. But I hear that style of 90s songwriting, that imitation Pearl Jam and the instrumentation. It can be random at times. It can be focused at times. Everybody can be doing something different. But when they put it all together and say, this is the song, you have to buy into it. Incubus did the same thing back in the day with Fungus Among Us. That's a pretty good comparison, too, in that, like, it's not that those records sound the same as the Blindside self-titled, but it's very just disjointed and strange and clearly being pulled from whatever their local scene was, if they even had that. I mean, I don't I don't really know what the popularity of a Christian hardcore band from Sweden in 97 was. I don't really have a re I don't really have a read on that. However, I consider this one to be a classic and a really good indicator of what we were going to get and it, it really does only get better from here folks at least for a while so let's talk about better from here a thought crushed my mind 2000 this one came out on uh, solid state records I think the first one might have come out on solid state too I can't remember if it was solid state yet in 1997 I think it was right on the brink uh, when they started putting the heavier bands on a sub label called solid state no I don't think the first one was the punk rock has arrived. Yeah. So you remember whenever I said that, you know, there's three really good songs on the self-titled and they really hit and they're aggressive. I don't think that you could get more energy than Blindside between 97 and 2000. These records are pure energy. One of my favorite punk albums of all time. Yeah. And A Thought Crush My Mind is heavy. It's faster. It's more intense than anything on the self-titled. Now it still has the clean vocals. But they are far improved to what we got on the self-titled. I and mean, the self-titled sounds kind of amateurish. And a thought crushed my mind was like, we've got, you know, three years of touring under us now. And we've been playing these songs to death and we wrote these new ones. Uh, Christian's screaming delivery is some of the fastest scream vocals I've heard. He fits so many words into the 
individual bars. <laughs> like, it's insane. Christian was your justification for years about how many words you can do at once. Right. How many times did you hear me say, dude, you don't have to say every word? Yeah, this didn't give me very good lessons on how to deliver in a manner that was <laughs> pleasing. But I think this is pleasing. I, I still jam this record whenever I need to get something done. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad we agree on that. Yeah, I mean, this record is is killer, in my opinion, and it's one of their best. Just because it takes the idea that they had on the first record and actually fully realizes it. This is just being heavy for heavy's sake. In the timeline of emo and hardcore, this was in the beginning when we were still just being heavy and delivering. Again, leftovers of grunge, where you didn't have this set standard of what your record was supposed to sound like and the tropes hadn't been introduced yet. Vocalists were being heavy. They didn't follow a template. Yeah, I really liked Christian's singing on this, too. I mean, the screaming is obviously pretty cool. He was a great screamer and had a really strong voice for it. But his cleans definitely needed some work on the self-titled, and you can tell either he did some work himself. I don't know if this is, like, vocal coach level of improvement, but we will get there. But uh, this is uh, this is just raw emotion, but it sounds good. And he doesn't overdo it with the melodies. Like, I was complaining on the first album how a lot of the melodies were, like, uh, just directionless. And they would kind of come into the verses a little too much. And it would, like, go into this weird rapping thing. You don't really get that on this record. I mean, the, the little bit of rapping and the delivery is there, I think. The issue I have I had with it was that it was super just out of place. But on this record, the clean singing seems to only be reserved for the choruses. He's not the only one screaming, either. I think it's Simon, right? So we've got a good balance. We've got a band that's delivering a heavy product in the early days of a style that would be abused. Yeah, this was still pretty, uh, pretty As cool. As walk just started. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few fun little moments on this thing, too, I've noticed. Like on, uh, is it As I Walk? That's track two, right? As You Walk. As You Walk. Yeah, that's a, and this was a fun one. That one's got like this kind of weird um, jazz interlude in it. Well, we just, now we just know why Jeff's listening. Right, <laughs> but it was so unexpected and so out of place, but I, I loved it. I thought it was really cool and different, and uh, I was not expecting it at all from this band because they've really, at this point, only delivered a pretty straightforward experience. So you didn't really notice, you wouldn't think that that type of ex experimentation would be there. Yeah, it's been nothing but completely frenetic, and then all of a sudden, it's like they totally switched speeds on you. And I would, I would bet, like, I would be kind of curious to see what your reaction was like the, the first time you heard that. I thought I was listening to something different. Like, I thought something had changed. This was the Incubus era of Dan's listening, where everything was fungus among us. Yeah, and science. <laughs> so, you th <laughs> so I'm kind of used to out-of-place jazz interludes, gotcha. but not with this band. Yeah, I was wondering, were you thinking somebody, like, all of a sudden, you bought a, a burned copy and yeah. somebody accidentally fucked something up in the middle of the song? Well, do you remember when you used to download MP3s? Oh, yeah, and, and they would ha it'd say one name, and it's definitely something different. Right, or uh, they, a lot of the times, in order to fight piracy, the record labels would actually release, like, dummy MP3s that would have, like, the first minute of the song, and then it would just, like, a lot of the times it was just, like, a high-pitched screech or something. Yeah. You know, like, they were punishing you for downloading it. And so I thought it might have been something like that, but no, but when you really listen to it, it the works. song would be really boring without it. Right. 
Uh, there's a similar there's a similar break in uh, my mother's only son as well, and uh, that is uh, equally as awesome. It's a super long song, but with the interlude in there, it sounds like it was always supposed to be there. The, my mother's only son, I don't think, is very is as good of a song as as you walk. Just because it's very repetitive. I mean, he spends most of the song just maybe the one that screams the most, screams about himself. Maybe the one that he just says that so many times. So, like, I was actually pretty excited to hear the break whenever we got to it because I was like, <laughs> shit. And then the break's over and he goes right back into it. And you're like, God damn it. You know, but, uh, I don't know. think it's very long. It's five minutes and 43 seconds. Okay. So it's not Swallow the Sun long, but it is a longer track for this band. Uh, longer songs on this record, more complicated songs, too. But uh, well, I guess probably the standout track on this record. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that King of the Closet was the highlight of the record. I get to play it twice, right? <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe is crazy about this song. I want to do an entire band of just this and call it King of the Closet. Yeah, this uh, this had a video. Did it really? It's, yeah, it's as insane as you can imagine just based <laughs> on the song. And just, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm afraid the light will set me on fire. You know, and there was like a whole bunch of controversy on this song, like, because people were like, I don't understand, you know, they're like a Christian band or whatever. Cause Why are they talking about vampires, right, Uncle Dan? Right, well, van- <laughs> Blindside, you know, is a very Christian band. There's no, you know, that's part of their identity. But Dan, they're talking about vampires. That's not Christian. Right, sure it's not. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I could give you a very Christian explanation as to what those lyrics are about, but I'm not going to. They can't be visual. This song was on every Christian heavy music compilation released between 2000 and 2000, really until Silence came out, you know? And uh, it was, people were like, oh my God, who's this band? This is whenever they did a lot of touring in the United States with POD. And that would become pretty instrumental later on. Uh, P.O.D. had always been kind of trying to break Blindside into the mainstream. I have P.O.D. to, to thank for my uh, my Blindside exposure. Well, yeah, in 2001, Christian was on the song uh, Anything Right off of P.O.D.'s Satellite. And uh, he sounded his clean singing was a lot better uh, than we'd heard on this even. Yes, it was. And so there was a lot of hype for the band. I remember when they put out the Boom video. It was them playing ping pong against Team Sweden, and Team Sweden was blindside. Yeah. And then uh, that was, like, literally right before Pitiful dropped, you know? Yeah, and I'm going to correct you. It's table tennis. Okay. <laughs> For us serious players over here. Right. I don't want to offend anybody with you. I'm use, bringing use back a classic. My... Jeff, get out of my house. Get out of here. <laughs> you liberal hippie piece of shit. <laughs> If you only knew. I'm going to bring us back to the subject at hand and say, are we good on this record? This record is awesome. You should check it out. If you are a fan of the heavy blind side. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. This record is tons of fun. And honestly, if you're not sure between this one and the self-titled, just go with this one. Yeah, and I don't even think it's close. There's the inner. It's the energy has been focused. That's the best way I could I could explain it. Because there's a ton of energy on on their self-titled, and it's it. They finally they're starting to figure it out. 2002 silence on Electro Records. Where did this come from? Pretty big step up from Tooth and Nail to go to. Ele- I mean, I know Electro's defunct now, but back At then the it was a huge deal. That yeah, was the was. record label that had Metallica. Man, they were number one. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what was number one in my heart. Are you making fun of me? Was the song Pitiful, which was the first single released. It had a video. 
the band was just in a gigantic, uh, gigantic concrete box. It was an early 2000s metal video. It was so much fun. However, this record wasn't as well received by me because you got to think right now I'm still, you know, in 2002, I'm thinking that Blindside is still the band that put out a thought crush my mind. So there was a little bit of hesitation going into this record because it sounded so polished, so clean, so like obviously a vocal coach was involved. Christian singing is like a thousand times better <laughs> than it had ever been. And they really capitalized on that. However, he still he still screams and he kind of eliminated some of that weird rap core stuff he was doing before. Kind and, of, it's, and that it's really helped. Gone. That really helped a lot, and it gives it gives his streams more of a hardcore emo edge, yes. than they had had before, where it was just more straight punk hardcore. And uh, I mean, this record absolutely exploded like an atomic bomb. I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've like just killed my voice trying to sound like him on this on this album. Oh, I bet your throat was sore, man. Dude, I don't know how he does it. It's just unbelievable. This is like one of my all-time favorite albums. It's our... If you're lucky enough to be a, a Patreon uh, supporter, this is our first Patreon episode, I believe, was Silence. One of the first, yeah. And my God, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, this, this album was so important in my life. I mean, it meant so much to me and kind of like how we've talked about the contortionist this is one of the few times that i can actually like tell you lyrics on songs is on this album so that should tell you how many times i've listened to it if i can actually tell you you know you know is i you know hammer those nails into your beautiful hands you know stuff like that like i never ever ever can quote lyrics on songs ever and i can on this album so it's it's super important to me i love it we talk about Hope's Fall a lot being the band that was ripped off by the emo artists. But we don't really mention Blindside. Emo had a very similar vocal delivery to what he's doing on this album. And I ask myself, why do I believe this? But I don't believe the bullshit. Sometimes I like listening to Under Oath. But for the most part, I make fun of the fact that, you know, they sing high monotone. Do you know how hard it is to sing high monotone? Well, apparently it's pretty easy because everybody was doing it. I could never do it, but so people I'm wondering, did it. I'm wondering why do I believe this? Because this is, this is a similar delivery. This is more akin to the Linkin Park, Papa Roach type new metal, though, musically. Right. You could say there might be a little bit of an emo influence in the vocals, but musically... This was a wet dream for anybody that was really into POD, Satellite, really into um, stuff like, like I said, like Papa Roach, maybe even a little bit of Disturbed. You know, it was definitely, you know, in that vein. And that's why they got signed, because that was the hot shit, you know, whenever it came up. But this record is not hot shit. This record is extremely well-crafted. Yes. And what I mean Good by choice that of words. is that the hardcore fan of a thought crush my mind or even the subtitled might hem and haw about the fact that it's not as heavy as the other records were and that it's not all screaming there is actually a sizable amount of screaming on this record but the music the guitar tone is totally changed it's like this clean sheen bullshit but 
it's not bullshit in the sense that these songs are extremely well written. This is an album that you could criticize for being overproduced until you're blue in the face, but there's no denying the songs. The actual song craft is amazing for a what was essentially being set up as a hot band of the week kind of thing. And this record, I think, delivered in a way that nobody was expecting. This album is the closest I ever feel to God. Then how come you don't get all the angry emails about when we talk about religion on the <laughs> podcast? Well, I'm, I get you claim to be be a Christian, but uh, some of the stuff that you say, but I'm a terrible influence. But seriously, this this album uh, hit when I was at a, a really, really, really tough time in my life, and my God, it 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 really uh, it's uplifting. I think that's one of the the other things I really like about it is that uh, it's metal. Uh, and it makes you, you know, feel emotional, especially if you listen to the lyrics. Um, I had recently lost my grandfather at the time, who's it—he's my hero, he's my idol, he's who I strive to be in life. Uh, so a lot of lyrically, a lot of the stuff brought me back, you know, to him. And uh, that—that's—I think that's the most important thing for me on this album is uh, that connection that I was able to make. It reminded, you know lyrically reminded me of the morals and the the quality of life that my grandfather lived and you know what it this the lyrics on this album made me strive to be and see all the you know problems that i've had and in in my my life especially like stuff like with sleepwalking you know i you know just kind of not paying attention and just you know veg out and you know there's all these things going around me that I could be could be doing and could be doing better. Yeah, and not to cut you off, sorry. No, no, you go more? for okay. it. No. Well, for me, this record was, like Jeff said, very uplifting. Really made you, I was religious at the time already, so you know, the lyrics kind of were like, oh, okay, you know, it's a confirmation of my beliefs or whatever. But this is also part of like what we've been talking about for a long time about you know how post 9-11 most bands that were to survive the new metal blackout that for whatever reason 9-11 did a lot of damage to new metal and part of that is that the bands that survived were the pod and the blind sides and bands like that because they had an uplifting message and you know this was christian rock at a time when they finally started deciding that like it was okay. It, it wasn't cool to, you know, shove religion on people's throats. So what you actually are getting here is not some, like, God's going to judge you type of metal. Because there's a lot of Christian metal out there that's very judgy and very um, intense and a little over the top, in my opinion. But this was more like, no, you know, we believe in God and this belief is what has carried us through dark times. And it was very relatable on a real-life level. Whereas, I think, before that, either a Christian band wasn't taken seriously but I think post 9-11, everybody was looking for a little bit of hope, and Blindside had that. They did. I think it. I mean, it's it's rock, you know, pop rock. But Switchfoot is another perfect example. But we, people would have called it metal in 2002. What? Something like Silence. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. People yeah. were calling. No, pe- no, no. I was saying. I was saying. You know, that on a on a, a poppy rock aspect, Switchfoot. Is is another example, of right? The band. That we were meant to live for so much more, like that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that became only song on that record that sounds like that. No, I I know, but if you go and listen to like their stuff after, uh, 
I, I'll have to pull it up because I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but a lot of their stuff went mainstream. And then they, it wasn't until just two records ago that they finally started to get back to you know, a little little bit darker, a little bit more intense yeah. again. I mean, with Blindside and, you know, it's kind of like Blindside P.O.D. Uh, Pillar came out around that time that was doing a very similar thing. And uh, it's not that what Blindside was doing was unoriginal, because I think that Silence is a better record than all of those bands put out those those years. Agreed. You know, like we all thought that, that Disturbs Believe was really good, yeah. uh, but it was kind of the same sort of thing. Like they were approaching religion in the only way that Disturbed knew how to approach it, you know. But uh, this record was hopeful. It was melodic. It was heavy. It was dark, and it was real for people. I mean... It's hard. It, like, if you listen to the acoustic song "Silence" at the end of this record and don't feel anything, like you're dead. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you have a cold heart. Yeah, you are. You are totally frozen from the inside out. There's, you know. I tried to tell you I was a vampire. Right. So, <laughs> I think uh, this introduced the band to worldwide acclaim. They were a really big deal for a long time because of this record, and to a lesser extent, the the next one. Uh, what was this? 2004's About a Burning Fire. Oh, I have the storms back on the podcast, Dan. Oh, no. It was like, what, one week? In my heart, it happens every time. You can hear us talk a little bit more about Silence on our Patreon episode that we did specifically on the album Silence. One dollar. Yeah, one dollar is the minimum. You can give more if you want. You don't have to. You want to give more. Patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. Okay, well, that's enough money grabbing talking about a burning fire is this record stylistically that different from silence no i don't feel happy after listening to it yeah there's some songs that are really good on this record eye of the storms an okay opener and i say it's only okay because it's not anywhere close to the energy that we had on the beginning of silence you know which was just kind of a gut punch you know where about a Burning Fire starts off and it's more melodic. Christian singing is actually objectively better than it was on Silence. Like he he goes places vocally on this record that he's never gone before. And it sounds really good, but there are definitely songs that I have issues with. One of the biggest ones was uh, the song that starts I don't even remember what the name of it is because I always skip it. It's like can you help me out, Jeff? I think it's uh like it starts with like S H. Uh, Shakina, I think. Shakina, yeah. Okay. Hate that song because it's so out of place. Like I'm all for experimentation. Then I go into like, hooray! It's L A. That's what's right after. Well, there's that. I tried to figure out what the hell was going on, but I didn't get it. Well, I don't know. Like this is not. I'm not going to go on a big rant about it. But like, what the hell were they thinking? Like it, this song just doesn't fucking work and it's sandwiched in the middle of an album that's okay um hooray it's la didn't like change my life or anything but it was at least more or less in the same sort of in the same vein it was it, i don't know i don't know what to say about a band from sweden that started off as a christian hardcore band singing songs about fucking la but whatever um uh, you know i just i didn't dig it one of the best songs that i did like on this record was follow you down i thought that sounded like something that could have been on silence you know, it starts off heavy, um, but there was something a little weird about the playing. Does it? Does it just seem like the energy level 
in what they're playing is just so subdued. Yeah, I that's what I was getting at. I just it's just that's part of the reason why I just it doesn't make me happy listening to this album. It's just like yeah, I just had this vision of a producer like running in, like they probably get into the studio and start jamming like the old stuff or something, and then the producer runs in and is like, "You guys all need to calm the fuck down." It's the same producer from Silence though. Yeah, like Follow You Down is good. And I'm trying to really think of another really good song on this record, and it's hard. Eye of the Storm doesn't count. Eye of the Storm's an okay opener. <laughs> yeah, it, but it goes on a little too long. Uh, All of Us was a really big single, and it was okay. But it's like you've got Christian is now gone from being like a hardcore screamer to kind of more of a smooth vocalist. But like this is almost like you're like pop crooning now. And it's it's definitely a step away from I think what this what the fan base wanted, and maybe they didn't give a shit about what the fan base wanted. Give but, me that money. But yeah, they're like, man, we could take this guy's voice anywhere we want, and they did. They definitely took it up a notch. But to me, the more sleek it sounds, the less real it starts sounding. And that was the biggest issue I had with this record is that the vocals were so produced, and the music itself was so like like somebody tranked them that like I, I just couldn't really get into the songs because now you can't even really call this metal. This is the transition from being considered a metal band or a heavy band to being pop rock. Yeah, it's alternative pop rock. Uh, you know, and that that just that bothers me. Now at the end they did throw on a song called About a Burning Fire, which is like two thousand four blindside trying to make their best approximation of what they think they used to sound like. <laughs> before they put it before they put out silence i think it can fool the casual listener to be like yeah man they're going back to their roots on this one but like really listen to it it's still not even close to anything on a thought crush my mind or even on the self-titled or even some of the heavier songs on silence right you know it just doesn't really hit the way they thought it would hit and i think honestly they thought that the fan base was going to be pissed off when they heard this record possibly so they threw this song on at the end where he's like yelling and screaming over it. But again, it's so well produced and so pop sheen that it doesn't hit the way it's supposed to hit. More bands, my opinion, need to practice with a fucking metronome. Here's why. <laughs> when you take a band that thinks it's all about the energy and they all hang out in the basement together and they write a thought crush my mind. They lock in so much on the idiosyncrasies of each other's playing and the discrepancies because drummers and guitarists and bass players and even vocalists run off on a fucking tangent and then come back and you're allowed to fluctuate and change the time signature, guys. You can play fast and then play slow. If you really listened and counted the Black Album by Metallica, you'd be surprised to find out how many tempo changes are actually in those songs. They're subtle, but they're there. The point being, when you take a band like that in the early 2000s and you put them in a studio with a producer who may or may not be a fan of their work, they're going to do the studio thing. They're going to tell them, you're playing to a metronome. And for most bands, that takes out all the energy. It doesn't have to. But if you'd been practicing that way the first time, it would be a familiar feeling. Automatically, we feel like we're playing slower. But if you actually, you know, turn the damn thing on at practice, 
and wheel it up to 144 and find the tempo where the energy is, all of a sudden you go into the studio and you're used to playing that way and the energy follows. Thankfully, that is a trend that disappeared in the late 2000s. It just bothers me as a fan that a band would do something like this in the sense that, again, hi, I'm Unpleasable Metal Fan. Have we met? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Unpleasable Metal Fan. Hello. Great to be here, guys. Did you find what you were looking for this week? I'm pissed off that they went to Pop Rock. I think I've been very clear about that. But I'm like almost more pissed off that they made a song that they thought was going to pe- appeal to me specifically. Like, first of all, that's like one track out of like, what, fucking 10 or 11? Are we counting the song you don't like? No. Okay, then yeah, it's about 11 songs. Good. So, this song is very like them trying to make some kind of compromise, like some kind of peace offering to Unpleasable Metal Fan. Want to let you know, Unpleasable Metal Fan does not appreciate peace offerings. Because again, this is what 2004 Blindside thinks that 1998 Blindside sounded like. And it's not the same because all the energy, like, it's almost like a fucking toilet bowl. It starts off with a really strong swirl. But after a minute or so, maybe I need to have my toilet fixed. But after about a minute or so, all that, all of that energy is just drained down the fucking toilet bowl. And there's nothing left. He's like, I thought about your love. Only way smoother <laughs> than that. You know, you see, and then he like, he like basically pukes out a scream at the end of it and it just the whole thing just leaves me feeling fucking empty and dead inside it just dredges along so are you saying you didn't find what you were looking for this week no ladies and gentlemen unpleasable metal fan have a good week guys 2005 the great depression so this was not as far as i know this was not released on electro records either electro records didn't exist or they let blindside off this, as far as I know, was considered an independent release by the band. Yeah, DRT Entertainment. I don't know who the hell that is. Yeah, so they, they did this themselves. Are you happier now that you have the Great Depression? A little bit. And that's the most truthful answer I can give, because this is very much the same band that put out about a burning fire. And there's no doubt about that. However... This is where I started getting keyed in that maybe Christian had a little bit of help vocally on Silence and on About a Burning Fire. Some studio magic? Yes, because on this record, you know, or, you know, just having limited studio time and not in a million, not having unlimited studio time and being able to do a part over and over and over and over again until it's perfect. Demon Hunter. So what you're getting with this is you're getting a little bit more bare bones approach. Now, they're still trying to write poppy songs. There's no doubt about that. However, Christian doesn't sound quite as good or quite as sheened as he did on About a Burning Fire. The performance is the same to my ears, but the microphones are not. And this was definitely the early 2000s where not every studio had $10,000 microphones. Most of them had Rode NTKs, and that was all anybody used. If that good. And the performance is more or less the same, but it is much more impassioned. And that's actually what I like about it. I like that it's a little bit more seismically like blind, like blind, like blindside. You can just no, say like, it's like, like blindside. Silence. No, like silence, though. It's a little screamier in places. It's a little bit more spastic, which is something that they were known for prior to about a burning fire. So it really was, if you wanted to call this a 
a back-to-basics approach. It very much is that, but there's a lot of newer elements in there that weren't there before. So what you have on this record is slower songs for the most part, but they're slow and dirgy. Well, they're depressing. There's a few li- you know, high-energy songs, like maybe two or three, but the singing doesn't soar as high, and he actually falls short in a few places and even goes out of key a few times. But what I liked about this is that you had very insightful lyrics that were about a bit the band's trip to Africa, and they just saw kind of the pain and the poverty that existed in some of those countries. And the, all of that reflected with the making of this record, right down to having an individual story, which uh, Jeff is going to tell us about. Yeah, I don't know the exact specifics. I know if you um, really want to go down the Google rabbit hole, you can find out uh, exactly what happened. But I know on Yimkela, uh, they wrote about uh, an individual that they met that was dying, essentially. It was a, uh, was a young boy. He was man. a kid. Yeah, yeah, he was a kid. And... Uh, and it really struck them. They wrote about it, you know, about the impending death. And then as they're, you know, touring or something, they actually end up, uh, the, the kid is at one of their shows after the fact. And, you know, it was one of those, like, oh, my gosh, you're alive kind of moments, you freak, the freak out moment. And that's the kind of stuff that's kind of cool uh, about this album is that, you know, they, as Dan has said, is, you know, that impact that that trip has had and uh the influence it had on the on the music and i i might um like albums that that are like that because sunny day real estate has an album called how it feels to be something on that has a a very similar vibe because of a uh an experience you know that's life altering because you're seeing quite honestly you know what we what is known now is uh first world problems and you realize, well, shit, you know, <laughs> you know, life really isn't that bad. We think it is, but it could be a whole lot worse. Whenever, you, and then when you get exposed to it, it really tends to change a person. Person. Yeah, yeah. This record is very dark. Probably the darkest Blindside album out there. I got the same feeling listening to this that I get when I listen to Polar Similar. It sounds like an audio representation of real human tragedy and explanation as to how bad things really aren't. I think there's some very real things going on in this record. And I really enjoy the fact that his singing isn't quite as good and not as polished. And either that was an intentional choice or he just had so much studio help on the last two records that there was no place for it. It feels real again to you, is that? It feels very real. And very cutting. And there's actually a song that I tear up on uh, towards the end of the record um, called When I Remember. No, I think that's the last song. Because he's talking, he's basically talking to God and he's like, you know, um, that he's he's depressed and lonely and, and doesn't have anywhere to go. And he says, you know, but then I remember who I am and I remember who you are. And uh, there's that kind of that same hope that we were talking about in silence and yeah it's religious it might sound cheesy or whatever but um it really hit me on a personal level and uh was a a huge highlight to me and again it's kind of out of my wheelhouse because this isn't metal by any stretch of the imagination this is this is a dark broody pop rock album 
and it has a lot of different elements. I like that he goes into the screams more, and then it's a little chaotic then. Like, you get little hints of the old blind side in there, and I definitely like hearing that, but this is a predominantly clean vocal kind of affair, and uh, if you're not ready for it, it could definitely drag you down a little bit emotionally, but I feel like it picks it back up towards the end of the album. Yeah, it definitely caught me off guard. I mean, I know it was going to... I was hoping that now that it was no longer a... Um, major label release you know they'd get back to their um, bread and butter and to a certain extent they did but I didn't realize how depressed I was going to be after listening to it well they warned you yeah yeah they did <laughs> I wasn't quite expecting it I, I know sometimes people say those things tongue in cheek or they're, they're joking nope they weren't joking there's a song on here called uh, fell in love with the game and he basically just like screams the vo- screams the chorus. I fell in love with the game and I forgot your name. And there came a point where he's like, and we were kicking in a gouging in the mud and the blood and the beer, which is a Johnny Cash reference yeah, to a song called uh, A Boy Named Sue. But again, it didn't come off cheesy like that. Like it really felt like that was the most important, like real thing that they could have said. And uh, it's definitely a song about being at the end of your rope. And uh, there's not a positive resolution to it in that song. And uh, I just loved everything about that song. And I, I loved uh, I loved the energy that they brought with it and the realness. But, um, you know, the metal fan in me was still a little bit like, man, this record isn't the same blindside. Like, we, we no longer... The blindside that existed all the way up until Silence is dead. Like, that, that band doesn't exist anymore. From here on out we are stuck with the about a burning fire blindside are we still a christian band at this point oh very much so yeah absolutely so let's talk about the stigma that goes along with being a christian band where you can't put out a record or a song that doesn't have a positive resolution dan would argue that sometimes it's okay to tell the story that lets that person know they're not alone even if it doesn't have a positive resolution. I think anybody that wasn't there and didn't write the album and didn't experience what they experienced can shut the fuck up, is, is what I would argue. You've gotten that pushback. Well, how can you write yeah. this song without a positive resolution? Yeah. Well, the song doesn't have to have a positive resolution. That's not the message of the song. Well, those people are idiots. They just want to live in this like religious bubble where everything's happy and sunshine and rainbows shoot out of their ass. You know, and that's not that's not what I'm about. That's not why I listen to, to heavy music or dark music. It's because I've got had some heavy and dark shit happen to me over my lifetime, and this is what I relate to. So, you know, this this record was mission accomplished on that. So you would agree then that it's okay for the message to not always be positive. I don't think there is a message necessarily on this record. I think with Christian music, there is this idea that there's supposed to always be a message or some kind of prevailing thing. But, like, you know, I don't talk to people, other people that are religious that, you know, well, when every time they're speaking to me, they're trying to push something on me. That's, like, literally the most negative thing about religion and why people hate it and reject it. So, and I don't feel like Blindside has ever done that to me as a band. Like, I don't feel like they're trying to sell me a line of bullshit at any point you know and uh and this this was just a very real experience and it whether or not it's okay if you're the kind of person that lives in a world where you're trying to decide whether or not something's okay or not okay 
you need to not be listening to metal. You're, you're in the wrong mindset. You've already started off on the wrong track. How they live their life and using their life stories, you know, you know, lyrically in, in their songs. I don't think they, um, to me, they don't come off as pushy. They just, they honest, they, they come off as honest. You know, that's what I get out of it. I, I, I think that, and I think that's why they're successful instead of, you know, cramming it down your throat. They just say, hey, this is it, you know, take it or leave it. You know, that's perfectly fine. So it's kind of a shame, right? That's all great. They've basically done pretty well right? up to this point. This is 2005. You had two pretty decent first two albums. You had a fantastic third album. Your first, your fourth album was kind of meh, but it seems like you're starting to pick steam back up when you get to the Great Depression. And then the band just goes AWOL for six years. I honestly thought they were done. Well, in a certain sense, they were, right? Because with Shivering Hearts We Wait... Not to quote our good friend and collaborator on the show, Steven Saro. I can't listen to this record and think of it as anything other than absolute shit. Damn. I'm glad we're in agreement. I was afraid we weren't going to be. It starts off like, oh, yeah, we're blindside. But it's like starts off with this like, I don't know, like this like weird syncopated ACDC, ACDC bullshit. Like it's just like they weren't going to go back to the arenas on this record. I don't think they did go back to arenas. No, I don't think they did. And if they did, it was only in Sweden. Yeah, because this is just a pretty short record of pop rock songs that really don't hit me on an emotional level at any point. Wow, this record really is only 37 minutes long. It's really short. Yeah, super short. I just don't. Nothing really connects with me. Monster on the radio was their big hit. I know that got played on, like, Swedish radio for a while. Like, it was a big deal for them, but... This just doesn't really sound like Blindside to me, and I'm just not really into it at all. Like, Did we take a song, break for six years and decide to make a record again? Basically, yeah. I don't know if like I don't know if my last rent check bounced or something or you know what the deal was behind it, but this was a record where they were really trying to catch that fire that they had on About a Burning Fire and Silence, and it's just not there. I don't hear it. It, it lacks the realness of the Great Depression, in my opinion, and it really just – I don't know – if, if, if this is the same band that put those previous records out who listened to this and was like, this is great. Cut, press. It's almost like they had a little bit more on a record deal that they had to finish up. Something like that, yeah. But then I look at it, I'm like, nope, it's a different label. And I'm like, oh, wait, well, maybe they this label bought the rights because the DRT went defunct in 2009. And this, came, and this came out in 2011. I mean, that. Yeah, I, no, you're right. Like, it. No, you're right. Sometimes there's, if another company buys the assets of the label or whatever, that, you know, there could have been something like that. Um, now, they did put an EP out between this record and About a Burning Fire called the Black Rose EP, but as far as I'm concerned, that one's pretty much absolute shit as well. Um, right. I'm just not. I'm not connecting with these songs at all. And it could just be that after six years, I'm just not emotionally connected to blindside anymore like they were a band that i liked when i was younger and then now they're back but they're not really back like there's like some weird skillet shit going on on this record and i'm not into it i don't have uh, enough invested in this album to say one way or the other other than the fact i think some of the stuff is pretty cheesy like the whole like like, like which one are we listening to now the whole synthy like orchestra and 
Yeah, it just doesn't work. This is the opening track. There must be something in the water. There's shit in the water, guys. You need to drink different water. Like right now or you're going to die. Oh, shit. This was seven years ago. We're all going to get dysentery (laughs) or giardia or... Is this why there's not a new Blindside record? Because there was shit in the water? Gotta hope not. But yeah, this is just like, I mean, this is a hard pass. I mean, I listened to it once when it came out, and I listened to it once for this episode. And I'm done. Like, I, I there's nothing that caught me. Because I thought, you know, once I really got into the Great Depression, and I was like, okay, you know, I was really heavily emotionally invested in this album, even though the music wasn't heavy is what I'm used to listening to. I'm okay with it. And then I hear this one, and I'm like, well, maybe it's going to catch me, too. It did not catch me. I wanted to like it, just like I have liked it pretty much all their other stuff, even if it's just been somewhat liked. They've always had like a special place in my heart because silence was just so profound for me. So I've been willing to give these guys uh, a bigger pass than I have with other bands, and I just couldn't do it on this one. You know the funny thing is, I think this one got like really good ratings, like like reviews. Got really good. Yeah, reviews. it did. It did. And I don't know if it's just because everybody forgot or what. I think it's because this was Blindside, and oh look, everybody, Blindside's here. Well, yeah, I mean, he screams a little bit on this record. Like it's it's like there's places where they try to make it sound really Blindsidey, but it just doesn't. It's almost like an era has passed or something. I mean, sometimes bands can make a comeback and it'd be really great, and it's like they never left. It's very obvious that there was a six-year gap in songwriting between this and the Great Depression. That's just, like, my correct opinion. Did they do anything, like, side projects or anything? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious because I'm wondering, like, maybe their heart isn't, you know, another place. It's Cause shivering. Because I... Cause I, oh. <laughs> I just don't believe it. I mean, I... So I'm just wondering if they're focusing their emotion and their talents elsewhere, and this is just something they had to do. Right, there's no there's no way that these songs were sitting in the loaded gun for six years. There's just no way. I think they went into the studio and wrote this album. And I could and I've seen it happen with bands before where they go into a studio and write an album like right there in the studio and it all sounds really good because everybody was part of it and everybody kinda turns into their own yes men. But this just didn't connect and I, I see why they thought it was going to. And again, our opinions are always like a little opposite of whatever the general populace thinks. I think a lot of people love this record. If you're a fan of Christian rock, this is a perfectly acceptable record in that genre. And that is literally as nice as I can be to it. You know, like I said about In Flames, there's nothing really about this record that cuts you or makes you feel convicted or gives you that feeling in your balls that you're listening to something real. Nothing nothing like that on this record. It's just another pop rock record by a Christian rock band. And it sucks because this is Blindside we're talking about. They made such a big impact whenever they got huge. But it's like the delivery, just they haven't really delivered on the promise that Silence had. You know, they get there a little bit on the Great Depression, but again, that's a very different type of record in their discography. And as far as I'm concerned, every band's allowed to have that one record that's different. But to get... I don't know, like to get something like this after a six-year wait. I mean, this hurts them more than it helps them. Yeah, I would have oh, hated. Absolutely. I would have hated to be a fan that was holding on, you know, the drip feed, waiting for this to come out. Because there's no way, if you're a hardcore fan of the band already, that you're going to listen to this and be like, "Oh, I thought it was really great. It's the best Blindside album yet." There's two different fans for every independent band that gets signed. 
the fan of their mainstream releases and the fan of their independent releases. So if you're fan A, you want another silence. You want some more Eye of the Storm. If you're an independent fan, you want a Thought Crush My Mind or maybe even The Great Depression. I wonder if both of those fans would have been satisfied if they'd gotten exactly the opposite of what they were asking for. Because this isn't even close to what they had originally. I hear little pieces of what they would go on and do later, but I'd be a little disappointed if I was looking forward to this. You know what I find so offensive about this record, really, though? Is that thin-ass guitar sound. You mean that showbread, no sir, nihilism is not practical? No, because it worked on that record, another record that was heavily influenced by The Refused. But it doesn't connect. It doesn't connect with me because there's no aggression to it at all. And, you know, again, I'm that guy that I guess just likes music that's aggressive. You're not the only one. I mean, I think all everybody in this room likes aggressive music. I think pretty much everybody who listens to our podcast likes aggressive that's music. That's why we do a metal podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just just straight into. I mean, they just I feel like they're lost and they don't care, and that's okay. I mean, I'm all right with the fact they haven't released a new album in what seven years, eight years. Yeah, like I said, well, I'm glad I didn't have to listen to another one. Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind of afraid of. What is this more? If they did release something else, would it be more of the same? Probably. I think it's time to say, Jeff, final thoughts on Blindside started out a little weird a little crazy for me but loved the energy loved the screams silence hit uh and it's about as spiritual as you'll ever hear me on this podcast uh because i am being honest you know the fact of how it makes me feel um nothing just to me silence is about as perfect as a studio album as you can get I mean, yes, I know it's maybe a little too polished for some people, but I love it. I love the message. I love the songs. I love just about everything about it. And, you know, The Great Depression is probably probably number two on my list. And it's mainly because it is kind of depressing, and I, I guess that's the, uh, the angle they're getting at. It, I like the story behind a lot of the songs. I like the lyrical content of that. But... I think it's the, it's. I, I hope they're retired. I, I don't want anything else because the last album kind of sullied my memory of them, and I don't want that to happen anymore. Dan, what about you? Uh, the first three albums are pretty much solid gold, as far as I'm concerned. Even with the shortcomings of the first album, it was still a legitimate effort from the band. Check out the Great Depression. You might like it. If you don't, that's okay. You just don't have to go past those first three albums. Blindside is one of the most fun and one of my favorite bands to listen to. I will not let one album at the end of their career ruin them for me. As far as I'm concerned, The Great Depression was a good place to go out. And if you're a fan of punk, hardcore, even emo from the early 2000s, grunge, you're going to find something in this band that you like. And I think everybody should start with silence and work their way in both directions. If you're like us, you're going to get to album number six and say, yeah, I'm done with it too. Thanks, but no thanks. But I think you're going to find something that you love in Blindside, just like we do. We got some feedback, Dan. 
Yeah, we got a review on Apple Podcasts. And this is from Iron Anthony. It says, hey, guys. Just listening to the Sepultura episode. It's cool listening to how much you guys love the older stuff and being very clear on Max's pivotal and creative years. Max is my father-in-law, and it's very cool to listen to true fans speak so highly of him. You guys should really do a Soulfly episode. I have a feeling you guys will lose it when you hear the new album, Ritual. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Well, how how about that? <laughs> Max Cavalera's son-in-law, so... There you go. <laughs> maybe when that new Soulfly album drops, we might talk to Max Cavalera. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's something that could happen. So You're not going to say it's going to happen? You're not going to say it's not going to happen? I'm not committing to anything at this exact moment. <laughs> Way to be Dan Terry about it. It's it's all I can do. That's who I <laughs> literally who I am. We got a tweet from AC, Alt-1, in regards to episode 74, Disturbed. You gents were more gentle and objective than I thought you would be. <laughs> not that you're not normally objective, but it's just so easy to use disturbed as a punching bag. Oh, it so is. Kudos. Also, agreed. In flames, clam down, Dan. Cover of Land of Confusion is hot garbage. I believe we said that on the In Flames episode and took special attention to say it again on the disturbed episode i don't want to talk about in flames <laughs> jeff what's your album of the week all right i'm going off the rails just a little bit there's a video for one of their songs that has the animatronics from showbiz pizza in it and i loved that place as a kid and uh, that is oracular spectacular by mgmt it's a great fucking album. Yes, I know it's not metal. Dan, what about you? Uh, Dark Roots of the Earth by Testament. Gee. <laughs> I wonder a, why. That's real hard for Dan. I spoiled my own pick because I brought them up on the episode. No, sir, Nihilism is Not Practical by Showbread. Great, great album. Check it out if you haven't. And if you have, go listen to it again. Yeah, we'll have to do a Patreon on that one pretty soon. When are we doing a showbread episode? Well, we can do a showbread episode, but... Uh, I'm going to need Brandon to come back and help us with your that. Your mileage may vary. Oh, spoilers. And on that note, this has been episode 75 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money.